more than I thought. All right, I thought a few would, um, and that is relatively a few, but um, you can open your Bibles or your app or just look at the screen for Hebrew, excuse me, uh, Matthew chapter 16. And we are still in this series entitled Believe Till You Leave. And we are going to make our way to a topic that we believe in, but we have not heard a lot from us, even in all of my years, the 25 years I've been on staff here. But we're going to make our way from a, from a part of a pass from a passage that we heard last week. So Matthew 16, beginning in verse 24. The ESV version reads this way through 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, last week, in talking about the ways in which we as believers are persecuted, because one of the things we have to believe is that. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will, not may, not probably, but will, suffer persecution. And one of the more surprising uh, um, uh, avenues through which we'll be persecuted is self-persecution. So here, we started with the verse that says that in order to follow Jesus, we must deny Ourselves, anyone who would come after him has to deny himself. Deny is to refuse to withhold possession, <coughs> excuse me, use or enjoyment of. That makes sense when we're talking about something, but when we're talking about ourselves, that can bring great difficulty. But we are first to deny ourselves. Then we are to take up our cross. We're supposed to take up an instrument of death. Willingly. The movies always trip me out when they have someone with a gun that's forcing someone to do something that's going to kill them. I'm like, man, just shoot me. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to take it up myself like you do it. I'm not trying to do this myself. You just shoot me. Get the rope. Get in the back of the car. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. No. And I have... I have evidence that I probably would resist. Uh, I already have experience where it's like, yeah, I think I was not afraid right there. But then I heard grandma's voice, and I was like, I'll listen to grandma right now. But I really want to do something right now. But we have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross. We have to follow him. And this is the thing about self-persecution being a, a prerequisite for following Jesus, is that Jesus persecuted himself. We're not going to go in there for the sake of time, but, but during your own time, please Go back and read Philippians 2, 
5 through 8, and it just tells you, like, he humbled himself. He embraced death himself, right? So if we want to follow him, then we have to follow him. Follow his footsteps. Walk in his footsteps. I've I've told my my salvation story is pretty uh, long. Um, I've mentioned some of it before. um, But for the sake of this message, I'm going to jump to like some of the things I was feeling during that time. So I got saved. Um, it was kind of a, you know, I've heard, heard, I've been to church, knew about Jesus, you know, had uh, believed, embraced him as my savior, <clears throat> walked away for various reasons um, from serving him and uh, was in a p- place where I thought like he would not forgive me. Um, and eventually um, I was brought to a place where all I could do was call out, like the song says, call out to him. And uh, he answered me and he heard me. And um, that was, uh, I I don't know if it was a life and death experience, um, you know, uh, officially, but I know I I interpreted what was happening to me as a life and death experience. I I interpreted it as like, Lord, I'm about to die, (coughs) excuse me, but if you have mercy on me, if you have mercy on me, if you allow me to live to see another day, I am going to live for you. Now, remember, I've been in church, so I knew about I knew about dying and being held accountable for how you lived. That was what I was afraid of. I understood how I'd been living. I was crystal clear on what my destination ought to be if what the Bible said was true. Crystal clear. So all I could do was ask God to please, please. Could you please have mercy on me? Could you please, could you please give me like one more chance? And he did. That was in 1986. That was in the 1900s. Somebody said, wow, you're right. Yeah, that was in the 1900s, y'all. We weren't slaves back then, but, 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 but it was in the 1900s, right? All right, yeah, yeah, chill with that. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead. I thought the youth were in the uh, youth meeting. What, what's somebody saying? Wow. I think that was someone who's a protege of mine, like same age and everything. But it's probably because he remembers 86 like it was yesterday, like I do, right? And what I rem- one of the things I remember about December of 86 was that I called upon the name of the Lord and he, he heard me, but he did not have to hear me. And these were some of the thoughts. So I'll let you know I was high, so just to qualify some things. So I was high. But... but I remember thinking that everything that I saw was either, uh, you know, it was either good in the angelic alpha and omega sense or it was evil in the demon, demonic sense. And I remember I went, I wandered into a church. I got into it. This is how I was thinking, just to give you context. So I'm walking around crying, asking the Lord to have mercy on me. I'm in the streets at night. I'm walking around asking the Lord to have mercy on me. I rode through this, this place, this bad part of Landover called Kentland. I'm crying out in Kentland, walking around. Yeah, oh man, Kentland. So, so I'm, but, but I don't care because this is, I do not care because I'm about to die. So I don't care. I don't, I don't care. So I see a church and like 
I kid you not, there were, there were all kinds of thoughts going through my mind. There were thoughts like the Lord that I thought were from the Lord was like, hey, you know what? When Deacon Calhoun and Brother David and this person and that person were, were, were reaching out to you, that was me reaching out to you from them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good Lord, you was trying to reach out to me. All right, good. But then I remember I walked away from him. So I was like, oh, Lord, I walked away from you. How could, okay, I'm going to go to that church right there. I see that church. But the church is dark. So, Lord, am I too late? So I hope against hope. I knock on the door of the church. First, nobody comes. I'm like, Lord, I'm too late. I didn't open my door whenever, when I had time. I'm, I'm too late. So then someone opens the door. And this brother looked like a demon to me. He was that to me. He didn't look like a demon. I saw him later on in life. He, was, he, just, wasn't, he just wasn't a good looking dude, so he kind of scared me. I was just taken aback. I was like, oh, Lord, God, no. I'm serious. I, I kid you. I, I was like, oh, Lord, I fell down to my knees, man. I'm like, Lord, oh, I'm about to die. These demons about to take me. And so, <laughs> and so his sister came out. Who sort of, she looked like him. That's all I said. She looked, she looked like him. They had strong genes in that family. That's all I'll say. But she had a very welcoming voice. And she was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Do you want to come into church? And I'm like, yeah, I need to come into church. I came into church. There was some youth meeting happening. Some lady was teaching them. And they sitting there. She asked them a question. And they can't answer the question, right? And I know the answer to the question. I don't remember what the question was. I know the answer to the question, right? So then no one answers the question. She says the answer. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm reassuring myself because I knew the answer. I'm like, oh, Lord, I, I, I knew the answer. Like, I know you a little bit. Then this other thought came. Yeah, that's right. You knew the Lord. You started off good. But look at you now. You're about to die from smoking drugs. So, man, I just raised my hand, and I was like, hey, man. Um, I was smoking drugs, and I feel like I'm about to die right now. That's what the lady was like. Um, okay, all right, um, go get Deacon Davis. And so Deacon Davis uh, came, and he uh, asked me a few questions about what I believed about Jesus. He prayed for me, and now this is something I don't normally tell people, but we've been in that supernatural storyline of the Bible, and I don't know what this was because, again, I'm high, real high. So, so. So we were in his office, and as he was praying, I'm, it was as if familiar voices like my mom's and other people, like I could hear them like passing me, asking the Lord to help me. It was almost like they were going up. But then I, I, I also heard from his door somebody knock, a knocking on the door. And I was like, man, if somebody's trying to, in, 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 enter, um, if somebody's trying to interrupt this prayer right now, they're not of the Lord. So I'm like thinking like they, they're not from the Lord. And eventually the door opened, sounded like it opened, and it felt like someone was trying to interrupt me. Like, like they, at first they were like, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse. And then their voice got more menacing, more menacing, and then they started shaking me, uh, trying to shake me. Um, but then I kept praying, and then that became to, in Jesus' name, amen. I opened my eyes. No one was there, and it was like, wow, Lord, that was crazy. Um, so I... Go to sleep that night. I go to sleep that night, and I have a dream, right? My dream 
was, uh, was about this cruise. I had never been on a cruise ever, but it was a cruise ship. And some kind of way, I knew that the cruise ship represented heaven. So I'm like, oh, all right, we lined up. Everybody getting ready to go to heaven. So then as we're in line, I see that people have to give. It, like you needed something in order to get there. You needed to give something. And I was like, I didn't buy a ticket. I didn't, I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm unprepared right now. And so it's not until I get up, like it's my turn, and I see I have a ticket. And I'm so relieved that I have a ticket that I wake up. So I don't know what that dream meant. I think it meant like, okay, like you, you have a chance to go to heaven right now. You believe in Jesus Christ. Obviously, Jesus is the, is, is the way that people go to heaven. But um, my mind, as it related to hell, was just wide open to what, not only what I deserved, that it was a real place, not that I felt like I went there, um, but that the, the weight of my sin and the anticipation of standing before the Lord and the Lord telling me, depart from me, and me knowing this. I, know, I knew this. I wasn't sinning in an ignorant way. I mean, I knew what I was doing and who I was offending the most. And that caused me to say, you know what? I am not going to squander my life. I do not have to suffer consequences for my sin because Jesus Christ has suffered those consequences for me. I do not have to waste my life by just living it for myself. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, today, I would like to talk to you about hell. It's reality. Um, it's the reason that we should make sure that we believe that God will bring consequences on people who do not serve him. That is something we have to believe. We cannot, we cannot understand grace without properly understanding that God will bring consequences on those who continue to rebel against them. Because if we do not, then we will live any kind of way and we will make a God who is made in our own image rather than his image. And so scripture, as we'll see, is clear that there, is, there are two places that we go. There's, there's, we, there, we can be with the Lord or we can be outside of the Lord and we will see what happens to those who are outside of the Lord. We will do that by continuing to look at the passage we've been looking at in, in uh, Matthew 16. Um, but let's pray and then we will jump back in. Father, we thank you for this day which you've made. We thank you so much for the gift of life. We thank you even more for the gift of eternal life. Um, we thank you, Lord, that you are the one who has fearfully and wonderfully made humanity to do some of the wonderful things that we benefit from. But, Lord, we also cannot deny that there are ways in which we fall so short of the glory of God that it is very obvious that we need a Savior. And so we thank you that you've given your son Jesus, that he took the penalty that should be ours if we've placed our trust in him. We thank you that you offer a, 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 a lifeboat, Lord. We thank you that you offer an escape route. We thank you that in your love you allow us to not have to face the just consequences of our sins because you placed our sin on Christ. Father, if there's anyone here who has not placed their trust in Christ, we pray that you will please move, that you would give ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Lord, we ask you that you would please speak to the church. We ask that your Spirit would speak. We ask you that I would decrease and that you would increase. 
and that you would do what only you can do, that you would pierce hearts, that you would cause there to be application, and that you would cause there to be transformation, and that we would, in fact, believe until we leave this earth. In Jesus' name I pray and thank you, Father. Amen. So having already established that what we need to do to follow Jesus, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just read the passage uh, one more time, uh, 16, 24 through 20, 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person for what he has done. So we've already made the point of what needs to happen if we would follow Jesus. He then in verse 26, he says this, he says, he says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I want to talk a little bit about the value of the soul. First of all, everyone has a soul. Key, I don't remember my little, uh, um, the grammar Whatever A is, I don't know what that is. Everyone has a soul, one soul. It's precious. You only get one of them, right? You only get one. So the value of the soul is that we only have one. Another value of the soul is that, and we'll come back to that in a moment, but, but, but another value of the soul is found in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 18, 14, where God says, behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. And the soul who sins shall die. So, yes, your soul is yours to do what you please with it. But mind you, we have to give an account to God for what we do with this soul. We only get one soul. We even say this. We even say, I mean, this may be played out now, but, but, but you only live once, right? Everyone knows you only live once. So some people say you only live once, and they're like, you know what? Do everything you want to do because, hey, man, you only live once. And that is a way, you know, we have the delegated autonomy to use our lives that way. Or we can say we only have once, so we're going to make it count for God. So that's what believers should be saying, is that I only have one life to give, right? One life to give. Because after we leave, Hebrews 9, 27 tells us, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So there's accountability that comes not just for people who don't believe, but for everyone who has lived. Everyone. The sacrifice of Jesus does not, uh, is not a ticket, like on that ship, it's not a ticket in that dream. It's not a ticket to get out of being scrutinized by how we use our life here on earth. That is just something that's going to happen to humanity. 
Romans 14.10 says this. Part of it says this, the last part of it says, For we all will stand before the judgment seat of God. So the soul is precious because it belongs to God and because it's going to be accountable to God. We only have one soul to give, one life to live. So Jesus says this in Luke 12, 4 and 5. I tell you, my friends, first of all, he's, he's talking to his friends. He's not talking to his enemies. He's talking to his friends. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. Right. But I will I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. One of the things, one of the reasons we have to believe till we leave is because human beings are, are, can be similar to the child who has no consequences for what their parents tell them. Their parents can talk, talk, talk. But at some point, you're going to have to enforce. It's just part of human nature. You are going to have to enforce because human beings, whether they're little or young or old, they're going to want to do what they want to do. That's just, that's just part of it. It's not, it, that, that doesn't change. And it doesn't change based on who we're talking about. Like we had that attitude towards God. Remember Genesis 3. Right. What 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 what's our problem? Our problem is that we define good and evil on our own. So if I don't think this is good, but you do. I'm not doing it. Or if I think this is bad or if I think that 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 what you're telling me is bad, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it. But if I think it's good and you think it's bad, then I'm still going to do what I want to do. And it doesn't matter who it is unless we have trained ourselves by the word of God and application to say, you know what, God, I will submit to you. And I will do that which you call me to do. But, but at our base, without the Holy Spirit, we're going to define good and evil on our own. And God's not okay with that. He's not okay with that if we say we are an atheist. He's not okay with that if we say we're a Christian. I, I believe that most people, because I recognize most faces, are believers in here. God bless you. Got that rhythmic, got that rhythmic sneeze. You know what I'm saying? But the one we should fear is the one who has authority to cast into hell after he's killed the body. Our Father in heaven has the authority to cast the soul into hell. Remember that the soul, all souls are his. The soul of the Father, the soul of the it doesn't make any difference who you are. All souls are his and the soul who sins will die. We're told so much. If we go back to Genesis 3, just thinking about that, that principle right, right there about how we define good and evil on our own. This is why the Lord says in verse 25 of Matthew 16, for whoever would save his life will lose it. If we just think of our lives as our own and forget that we've been bought with a price and therefore our lives belong to someone else, then we will live life on our, by our own principles, and that is not okay with God. So whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever would lose his life 
for my sake will find it, he says. Verse 27, for the soul, the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, I mentioned that everyone, everyone in the world, everyone who has been in the world is going to have to stand before God to give an account. When Christ comes, he's bringing his reward for each person based on what they've done with him. Revelation chapter 20. Verse 11. And this is the thing about judgment. I mean, some of us may be, um, this could be more something that men do. Some of us are afraid to go to the doctor's. Because we don't, we don't want to know. We want to be able to live in ignorant bliss. <laughs> I understand that. I'm a man. I, I understand, like, man, you know what? Uh, I think I don't want the stress of knowing X, Y, or Z. Now, you already know from my last sermon, I go to doctors. I got a physical coming up soon and all that stuff. Um, but... I can understand not wanting that scrutiny. I used to be in the military. Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Um, so I didn't like when we would have those inspections when somebody would come like with a white glove. And then they just going like, just, okay, yeah, yeah. Because you know something is going to be found that is going to be like, you know what? I did my best. But <laughs> and your best just ain't going to be good enough. Look at what it says in Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Listen to this. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. And no place was found for them. In other words, they couldn't get away. There's no place to run from the one who sits on the throne. Right? And I saw the dead, great and small, presidents, kings, the homeless, the poor, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. Hallelujah. Uh, let, me, let me just say this. If, if, if only the books are open without the book of life, we're all in trouble. If all we have to do is stand on what we've done, we are toast. But thank God that that's not all we have to stand on, those of us who have our faith in Jesus Christ, that there is a book open that, had, that will be open that has your name in it, that has my name in it. But those books are going to be open too. And every thought, deed, word we said, there's going to be an account given for it. And if that's true, man, I relate to the, to the, to the earth and the sky that, want to, that wants to flee. I do not want God in all of his purity to bring certain things back up. I'm sure there are things that I'll do 
sometime between now and then that I don't want them to bring back up. But it's going to be brought up. There's no way to escape. Just like the earth, which is much bigger than you, just like the sky that is much bigger than me, there's no place for them to flee. There's not going to be anywhere we can go either. We will be captive there to hear judgment proclaimed on us. Now, the judgment of believers in terms of their eternal destination is different than the judgment of unbelievers. But until we are there, we need to live like we're running for our lives. We can't be playing around, and we will see. We can't. We cannot be playing around. We will see this. So just, I mean, just this alone is just like, man, I don't want to be playing around. So the book of life was opened, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. So it doesn't even matter where you die, how you die. It does, you can be you can die in a fire. You, you're going to be there. I hope no one has to die like that um, in here, but um, we don't control that. Right? Um, death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. That's what believers avoid. We may not miss the first death, but praise God that we can miss out on that second death. Praise God that we can miss out on that second death. Praise God that we can miss out on that second death. Listen, verse 15, and if anyone's name was not found, written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So anyone whose name was not in the book of life has to embrace all the ultimate consequence of whatever was known in those books, whatever you did in those books, your own life. No one can stand before God apart from Jesus. Now let me show you why we need to remember this scene, which is a scary scene, or it should be a scary scene. It should be a scary scene. And it should be a scary scene because of Galatians 5. So if we can put Galatians 5, 16 up there. We're going to start somewhere with Pastor Kurt. Um, was um, last week. So I thought I gave Galatians 5, but I'm about to. I have part of it in my notes, but um, I want to start at 16 instead of 18. All right, this is what it says. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, that's the context for 19, where it says, now, now, now. 
the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. So far, people are like, man, all right, I'm good. Sexual immorality, nah. <laughs> impurity, nah. Sensuality, nah. Idolatry, I don't worship. Sorcery, I don't need that. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy. Drunkenness. Orgies. So you might be all right, I'm good. And things like these. So there's that umbrella joint that's just like, okay, if I didn't mention, but you do anything like this, like, like you, like I'm talking about you. Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul is saying that those things, that list, those people, they ain't going to make it. So, like I said, there may be some things you're like, okay, I don't do that. I don't do that. Okay. But do you ever have fits of rage, fits of anger? Do you ever just burst out in, in anger for any reason at all? Whether it's one you feel justified for or whether it's one that everybody knows you're tripping right now. Either one. That makes the list. Like you, you, you're, you're jeopardizing your soul. Rivalries. Aside from commanders, no, rivalries. <laughs> rivalries. When, when, do we think like, I can relate more to anger than rival. I don't feel like I have any rivals, but, but I can re relate more to anger. Do I feel like I'm justified in my anger when I'm angry? Is there a yeah, but... Because Paul said, well, I'm warning you like I warned you before. So I'm reiterating this, that those who do such things will not inherit God's kingdom. We just read that if we do not inherit God's kingdom, that, that we'll be thrown into the lake of fire. Because our name, if we, those people whose names were in the book will be with God. Those people will be in heaven. Those, will be, those people will be saved. But those people whose name is not in there. They're not going to be saved. We don't want to just be able to hearken back to like, yeah, I believed in Christ when this. No, we want to be able to look at our lives today and say, you know what? When I look at this list, I'm a little afraid because maybe I have some snippets of some of that in me. But you know what? If I look at the videotape of my life, I'm growing to be more like Christ with intentionality and with focus. I'm running for my life because I'm not going to go to hell. I can, I, can, I, can, I can apply myself so that I do not go to hell because the Spirit of God is available to me so that I can embrace the things of God rather than we just... That's why I read the first part, the, 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 the verse 16 through um, 18, was so that we can see like it's possible to not do these things. But if we do not apply ourselves, you can bet we're going to do those things because they just come natural. Human beings are, we're wild, man. We wild. Yeah. 
Just, it, I mean, just even some of the thoughts, uh, some of the thoughts that might happen that you would be like, oh, no, I'm not going to. Even what, what Pastor Kirk was saying last week about just thoughts coming from out of nowhere. Those aren't always, I don't think they're always just the devil. The flesh is active, too. Like he said, that, oh, that, that gangster in the basement is like, hey, my man, my boy, hey, I'm right here. If you need me, I'm right here. You know how we get down. You, I think you need me right now. He's coming, and he's and he's coming as a friend. He's not coming like an enemy. He's coming like a friend. Are you gonna let them talk to you like that, man? They don't know who they're talking to right now. Man, they talking, this is just me my street name. Man, they talking to China Mike right now. I know he's dead right now. I know he, I know he's supposed to be dead, but he's still in there. Respect. You go in certain places and at certain times you have respect on that name. Nah, they talking to Mike right now. They talking to Mike who's been redeemed by God. China Mike is in there, but we trying to keep that brother in subjection till we get that glorified. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we need to keep him because, because if he comes out and we like what he does, then who knows what, what that one decision puts me on a trajectory for. And that's the way we don't think. We don't think, we think, we usually think believers think, and, and there's some truth to this, that if we sin, that God is, that we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. We should think that way because the Bible says it. But we should also know enough not to tempt God. Not to say this is okay because God will forgive me. Oh, and let me, let me just say this. When, when somebody catches you in a sin, like we, we definitely have to make sure people have passports to correct us. We should care about our eternal destination enough that if, and I'm, I'm serious about this, if one of your children saw me do something that was wrong, I should be like, Lord, I'm for truth. I want what you want, not what I want. If, if one of your children heard me talk to my wife in a way that was like just not like a Christian way to talk, and they came with truth, I would, I would have to thank them. I would have to thank them for the reminder. Why? Not because it's about like how old they are. Not because they disrespected me. No, man, I'm, I don't care about disrespect. Man, disrespect me now so God won't have to disrespect me then. We do not want, no one wants to, I'm telling you, that, 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 that time when I was in that church and think, having all them thoughts, you don't want that? That wasn't even hell, but you don't want that. You don't want that. Yeah, you used to know God, but look at now, you're about to die. You don't want that. You don't want any voices telling you like what you were on the path to do, but because you were just casual with your salvation, you're like in a different place now. We don't want to be okay with dissensions. We don't want to be okay with divisions. Those are things that, that, you know what, people aren't tripping off of those things. But God is. God is. God is. I remember a woman uh, at Parkdale, this, this woman asked me, two women were there. One woman asked me, like, do I think that homosexuals are going to heaven? So she, she had said like a few things that just, she just wanted to isolate them, right? So I told her, well, you know, the Bible says that all kinds of people are not going to heaven. So I mentioned some of them. 
I mean, she, you know, drunk and stuff. I don't believe. So she knew. I told her, no, I don't believe that they're, that they're going to go to heaven. And I can show you, First uh, Corinthians six, uh, nine through eleven tells us that. Um, so I was like, no, I don't. But I think I don't. Neither do I think drunkards are going there or adulterers. There was a woman there who was like, what? So you're saying? So you believe that people who get drunk are going to hell? I was like, uh, you know, God's word says that in. First Corinthians. She's like, so if somebody has a drinking problem, uh, First Corinthians. No, no, no. What do you think? Do you think that she was getting like that on me? Because she did not want to hear about an acceptable sin to her. It's hard to get drunk sometimes. I'm not hurting anybody if I do it in the pleasure of my own home. I'm not driving or anything. Like, that's okay. Well, God's word doesn't say that. Right? So we have to be very careful because God's word doesn't say it's a sin to drink, but it does say it's a sin to get drunk, right? So we have to make sure that we are, that we are mindful of what these decisions put us on the pathway to or what the accumulation of doing those things mean for us because we just read that the spirit can empower us not to do these things. But these things are so serious. And remember, Paul is writing to believers. Remember, Jesus was, the, the first passage, uh, Matthew 16, he's talking to his disciples. The one where he said that to fear the one who has authority to cast, to cast into hell, that one, he said, he called them his friends. So just make sure that we don't get it twisted. Make sure that we don't think we're not in danger of Hell, make sure we don't, we just think like the threat of hell for us has been nullified. Yes and no. Yes, Christ paid the penalty for all of his people so that there would be no reason to have to go to hell. He took care of that. The consequence of hell will not come upon you. However, if we do not live in accordance with what Christ calls us to, then we have to question whether or not his sacrifice was for us. Because if his sacrifice was for us, we're going to be that, like that woman who had the alabaster box, and she came and she poured her best out for the Lord. See, we get so casual. We're not worried about our best sometimes. And I understand. I'm not always worried about my best either. I try to fight to worry about my best before the Lord because I know he's gracious, but he's also, he's not just kind, he's also severe now. Romans lets us know that. There's some kindness in God and there's some severity. I don't want the severity. I don't want that smoke right there. So if I don't want it, then I have to apply myself to what God offers me. So what he offers is, I mean, these works of the flesh, that's what Verses 19 through 21 of Galatians 5 are called. They're sandwiched between something. They're sandwiched between like, hey, sow to the spirit and not the flesh. Because then you'll, you can, okay. And then, then, then it's sandwiched on the other side by the fruit of the spirit. Verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we would make it into the kingdom of God, where, where it's no longer faith, but it's sight, then we have to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. If we do not, it calls into question whether or not the sacrifice of Christ was for us. It does. It should. If it doesn't, it should. I, I, remember, I, I will say this. I, I, I have prayed prayers to God like, Lord, I, I, I say to you that I want to overcome. I ask you to help me. I ask you for forgiveness. When I read your word, I see that there is power to overcome. But I'm not overcoming. What does this mean? Now, I never got an answer on that one. I mean, I think I have the answer. I think if, if we continue in sin, that we can frustrate the grace of God. But what it, what, it, what it means is that I have to figure out for that sin, and I'm not sure if Kurt or I will touch on this, but, but for that sin, then I have to be very intentional about what my strategy is to overcome that sin, right? And I have to apply that, and then I have to keep on doing it. So that, 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 that's what, why would I do that? Because my action is calling into question whether or not I'm walking with the Lord. Because his word tells me I can overcome, tells me I should overcome in this. If it's one of these things on this list, it's very obvious. Okay, well, I'm only, okay, Lord, and then and, and it has been one of the, the things on this list. Not recently, but um, it has been. So it's like, Lord, I know what I'm saying. Would you help me with what I'm doing? Right? Would you help me with what I'm doing? See, the thing about when I, when I first got saved and having that awareness of, of hell was that there was an urgency, an urgency to make sure I'm never in jeopardy of seeing that place at all, that I would, I would receive and embrace all that God has for me so that when it's all said and done, I will be with the Lord. This, and, and we sometimes lack this urgency. But the Lord lets us know that he has, he wants us to have that sense of urgency. So in Matthew 5, which is part of, um, part of the Sermon on the Mount, it says this in verse 27, verses 27 through 30. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully, with lustful intent rather, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better to lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. The urgency. Now, we're not saying you've never heard us, nor will you hear us say uh, that we're into maiming oneself or gouging out our eyes. No, 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 no. The, the, the issue can be a hard issue, and the Lord can change our hearts. He can change our hearts. He can change 
our hearts. I don't care what it is you're going through. He can change your heart. I am a witness that he changes hearts. It's not change. It is changing. Slow, consistent change. Now, there are times when he accelerates things, but for the most part, if you want to walk with the Lord, it's a long, it's a long walk. It's a long walk. If you want to know him, it's a long walk. The urgency here is, is shown in that if whatever, whatever is causing you to sin, like you're supposed to get rid of it. Right? Now, we know that, that lust is not, is not only, I mean, Jesus just said it, it's not just a matter of the eye, but that it's a matter of the heart. So we would uh, say that, you know, we, we, there are some people throughout history that have taken this verse literally and they, they took their eyes out, took their, yeah, they did it. They were serious. I'm serious too, but I'm not doing that. I'm going <laughs> to pray, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me, and I'm going to try to apply what I know from his word because I've seen that work. Do you have the urgency, the urgency that hell is just a, like a step away. Today, over 150,000 Americans will die. Today. Any of us could be one of them. We don't, we, don't, we don't know when we're leaving. We don't. But we know we are at some point. We don't know how we're leaving. We don't know how old we'll be. But we can do all that we can to make sure our name is in the book of life. We can believe that Jesus Christ is God's son, that God sent him, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, and he did it not just for the world, but he did it for me as well as the world. And we can say, you know what, Jesus? I'm trying to live for you. Will you have me? He'll have you. That's the thing about my prayer. For things I felt like I couldn't overcome, it's like, well, you died on the cross. Like, I know that you give me what I need if I just access what you give. You give me what I need if I access what you give. Sometimes we don't concentrate on accessing what he gives. But when we do that, we put ourselves in eternal peril because we don't know when we're leaving. Because the soul that sins will die. Because we're going to have to give an account. So there's one way, and I may have like a couple others, but this, this, this is a way for believers. I would just like to say that we should just make sure that we remember that our hearing and agreeing or our ability to evaluate sermons is no clear indication of maturity. We can't be, don't be deceived rather by the accuracy of your theology. Be convinced by the application of the word of theos, God. Jesus said this, he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came 
and the winds blew and beat on that house. That happens in life, right? But it did not fall. Why didn't it fall? Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Friends, let's not be foolish. It's a sh- it would be a shame to be foolish to come to church every Sunday or most Sundays, participate in core groups, have uplifting conversation with believers, and then not apply ourselves to make sure we're doing all that we can to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why do we fear and tremble? Because hell or life are at stake based on how we live. And so we want to be those who hear God's word, apply God's word, walk out God's word, so that when he opens the books, there's less, and when he opens the book, we're there. Right? We do, we do not want to be cast into the lake of fire. And we don't have to be cast into the lake of fire. Thank God that there's a Savior who has come so that we would not have to suffer the consequences of the lake of fire. And this Savior who has come didn't just give his life, but also for those who place their trust in him, he gives his spirit so that they can become more and more like him. He actually helps us to partake of the divine nature according to 2 Peter 1. No, 1 Peter 1. But we have to cooperate. We have to cooperate. Philippians 2. That's wrong. Say Philippians 1. Now we're just going to check it. But Philippians. Yeah, we proper. We, we on point now. Philippians lets us know that it is God who works in us both to willing to do, to do of his good pleasure. But it is on us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We must cooperate if we're going to grow and be like him. If we're going to put off the deeds of the flesh and embrace what the spirit has for us. James tells us this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's no reason for anyone to deceive themselves. There's no need for that. Hell is real. And humanly speaking, the threat of hell remains until we're with the Lord. Until we're with the Lord. There are people that have been referenced before who have said they were walking with the Lord, even shown some type of fruit of walking with the Lord, but no longer walk with the Lord now. So, there but for the grace of God go you and I. But thank God for his grace that we don't have to end up in those situations. Please take hell seriously. Please take hell seriously by not minimizing sin in your life, whether it's something that's respectable to other people or not. Sin is sin. And the Bible lets us know in Corinthians that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Leaven is yeast, right? So yeast makes dough rise, right? So, so a little bit will cause there to be an expansion. And let us make sure that we are exerting every effort to 
make our calling and election sure. Let us not be casual with our faith, but let us have an urgency with it that is, that is conducive to hell being a threat in my life. And then if we know the Lord, the reality of hell should cause us to magnify the grace of God in our lives. We should cultivate hearts of gratitude that if God did nothing else, he's already done enough. That's what we should be. So we shouldn't have much to complain about. Not when we're looking at what God could, should have given us and what he does give us. So let's take the reality of hell seriously. Let's make sure we cultivate a heart of gratitude. Let's make sure we're exerting every effort. And let's make sure that in our exerting of every effort that we're not minimizing sin in our lives and that we are magnifying the grace of God, even the grace of God to change us to be more like him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for, oh, we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. We thank you that it is an empowering sacrifice. We thank you that you give us the privilege to be part, to take part rather, of the divine nature because of faith in Christ and the work of your spirit. Lord, would you help us never to forget where we come from, Lord? We, we were children of wrath like the rest of humanity until Jesus saved us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for calling us by name one day. And Lord, maybe today you're calling someone's name for the first time or for the hundredth time. But may today be the day of salvation. Would you, by your spirit, Lord, help there to be application and a desire for when those books are open and the fear that's probably going to come upon every person, that we will be reminded of the, of the relief that's going to come when we hear our name called out because it's in the book of life. May we not disrespect you, Father. May we not minimize you. May we magnify you because we know you have not only glorified yourself, but you, you have brought us to you through your son, Jesus Christ, by your spirit. And you resolved the threat of hell for us. Father, we ask you these things in Jesus' name, and we thank you. Amen. Now, if, if before we go to any questions, just, it just seems right to just take communion right now, just in light of who Christ is. So we want to do that, and then we'll go to any questions that we might have. But Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross. He embraced, We're talking about persecuting himself. He gives some of it. He restricts access to his glory to himself, becomes not a full-grown human being, but a baby, who has to be moved about by his family, Joseph and Mary, to avoid danger, go down to Egypt, do this, do that. God speaks to them in dreams so that they can protect Jesus. He's not even able to protect himself in that state, but he takes that on so that he can sacrifice himself for you and me.
And that's just a little bit of what he did. Let us take the bread which represents his body, which he eventually allowed to be broken so that our spirits and our souls wouldn't have to be. Let us take and eat. And now let us take the juice which represents the blood of Christ shed on our behalf for the remission of our sins. He purchased us by his own precious blood. We thank you and we remember you, Lord Jesus. Let's take and drink. Lord, thank you. We praise your name. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. Amen. Mike, thank you for that message, bro. You're welcome, bro. Thank you. You're welcome. Hell is the eternal doctor's office. <laughs> it's the place that we avoid. Uh, the number's on the screen, so please text your questions in. Uh, first question is, you've mentioned the term respectable sins a few times. What is a respectable sin? Can you give an example of what that is? Sure. Yes. Um, a respectable sin, um, <clears throat> first of all, I will say that I heard that term um, from uh, uh, an author named Jerry Bridges. Um, and <clears throat> he has a book called Respectable Sins. So respectable sins would be those sins that would not really offend human beings too much. Like if you lashed out at someone uh, because they, it's like us, uh, it's, it's, it's like if you lashed out at someone because they stepped on your toe or because they stepped on your shoes or whatever. You know, it's, if you stubbed your toe or something and you went off on somebody like, somebody was like, well, man, he did step on your toe, you know. Man, I'm so sorry. You know, not, not, hey, he stepped on your toe. I understand. I understand. It's it's just sins that are just more acceptable to human beings on a horizontal level than those. I mean, because vertically, sin is sin. Um, obviously, <coughs> on a human perspective, all sins don't impact us the same way, right? Um, so if someone lies to someone else because they didn't want to get in trouble, like I might understand. Like, I'm, I'm like, I mean, with my kids when they were younger, or my, my grandkids, I understand not wanting to get in trouble. Your boy did not want to get in trouble at all. My mom used a belt, but I grew up in that generation. I, I'm all right with not getting in trouble. I don't want it. Or I would have to be punished for a long time, have to stay inside, hear my friends playing. Like, nah, man, I don't, I don't want that. So I understand protecting yourself so you won't get in trouble. But is it? the right thing to do from God's perspective? Lying is not. Um, so that will be an example of, of a, of a um, respectable sin, just, a, just something that human beings would be like, hey, man, you know what? I, I understand why he did that. I mean, that's not such a big deal. Well, to God, sin is a big deal, right? And so I think we have to make sure that just because our, you know, our people around us aren't offended that we need to remember, remember that God could be offended with some of the things that human beings are not offended by. As a Christian, it's often easy to ignore 
the warnings about hell because I know that my sins are forgiven. What is the balance for Christians who still sin and but but know they're forgiven, but also taking it seriously because of the reality of hell? Yeah, I'm, I'm um, <laughs> yeah, I understand the, the question, and there are many things flowing through my head right now on that question. Um, I think we can't. We, we can't know completely till the book is open. So, yeah, we know what we've done in terms of like, oh, yeah, I believe in Christ. And this. Somebody said this to me once. I remember I told somebody, like, hey, man, you know what? My plan was to, like, do whatever I wanted to do until I was 30 years old, and then, like, that's when I'm going to repent and I'm going to serve the Lord. That was, that was really my plan. And then the person said, who knows if you would have wanted to repent at 30? Like you're, you're assuming that you can just pick up repentance like whenever you want. We can't make any assumptions. I mean, if our lifestyle doesn't match what scripture says, and that's the, if, if our lifestyle doesn't match, we can't just say my sins are forgiven. Like there are people who, I mean, that's a theological statement. All theology is stated by human beings. Therefore, it means that it's not necessarily God's statement. So I know what I believe based on like what, 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 I, what I see in Scripture, but, I'm, but, but when I told you about the prayer I was praying because I wasn't overcoming, it's because I really thought, like, man, if I'm doing something that's in these, and this is only one list. We only looked at one list today. There are other lists. And then there's just the whole of Scripture, right? So if I'm doing something that is contrary to what God calls me to do, um, then I need to question whether or not, not my sins are forgiven. Because my sins being forgiven, I think, goes hand in hand with how I respond to the God who's forgiven my sin. So if I don't respond to him through his word and my actions appropriately or consistently, or you can use all kinds of words there, but if, I'm, if, I'm, if I habitually sin, then I have to call into question whether or not my sins are, in fact, forgiven. Right. So I understand the theology. I embrace the theology. Yes, I believe that God has forgiven our sins through Jesus Christ. But I do think that if that's the case, then the fruit of that will be a life that reflects that. And when the life doesn't reflect that, then I have to call into question, okay, was I either was I manipulated? Did I deceive myself? See, the James... The James passage says, be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourself. So since self-deception is possible, like that's also a real category that we have to have if we want to like, take hell seriously. If deception is possible, then I have to live in, with urgency. So that means I can't excuse or just be like, oh, yeah, man, God forgives me. Yes, and maybe not. Maybe not. His job isn't just to forgive us. So we can't, we can't, cannot interact with him that way. Um, now I would have to talk. So that's a, just a generic answer for the question. I mean, I would have to talk with someone, you know, more, ask them questions to um, see if I think like, hey, man, like you should be very concerned. But I think as a principle, since self-deception is possible, we should be very careful and very urgent with how we're living for the Lord and not be 
casual about it. Because, like the brother asked me, like, who knows if you want to repent? Who knows? So that's how I would answer that question. So this question, right now, this is the last one, unless something else comes in. This question is sort of kind of pivoting off of what you just said. Mm -hmm. But in the example of the lady about drunken, being drunk, like, what do you think about addictions and people who struggle with addictions? Are they going to hell because they struggle with a, a particular area? It's hard yeah. to overcome. Thank you. Yes. So um, do I just think that? I mean, I think I would need. <laughs> Don't be like the lady when the, with this answer. Um, but I, I think there are if if. I'll say this, if I'm the person addicted, then I'm thinking I have to deal with my addiction. The scripture doesn't necessarily say anything about addiction that I can think of. I mean, it gives, there are things you can use to say, okay, that, that's this or that in terms of like overcoming. I would, for the person, I mean, I do believe that God involves us in a process of change. So that person would have to be engaged, if I was the person I would have to be engaged in a process where I'm going after it. I, can't, I wouldn't be able to just say, well, I have this addiction and like, that's it. Um, so I think if it's that, like, nah, you're not, no, you're not going to make it. I don't believe you're going to make it. Because those lists are lists in scripture. Um, addiction, some people have overcome their addictions, right? So there's grace to overcome, right? Um, but... Um, but there's no but about it. There, there's, there's grace to overcome. So the person who's addicted or who struggles, like they have to make sure that it's a struggle, right? Um, can I necessarily see that? Maybe your pastor Mike can't. But can God see that and say, you know what? I got you. Yes, he can. So, but you're asking me. So me, I'm going to go to the book, right? That's what I'm going to go to the book. So the book, if, if someone, you know, just is, um, you know, just always getting drunk all the time, uh, no. I mean, if it was one of my family members and I had to preach their funeral, I, wouldn't, I would share what I could about their life, but I would not say that they were a believer. I, I, I couldn't say that, right? I couldn't with surety. So I don't, I've learned a long time ago, you can't preach people in heaven. So I'm, so I'm not even trying that. Um, but we will, we as a church, we do try to work with people. We even have um, a, an AA group that um, is led by our own William Dallas Willis. William, can you raise? He's waving right there. Um, so um, it's not like we're just like, oh man, you're addicted, man. God bless you. No, we, 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 we will work with you because we believe that, that there is hope for change and we're going to press into that as much as we can, as much as we can. All right, that's it. It's the last one, yeah. Okay, all right. You, you. Thank you. Let's thank Mike again for that. <laughs> you know, the topic like this is something that everybody should take very seriously. You don't have to, you know, question whether or not you'll make it necessarily, but I think you have to be you know, careful about how you process these types of realities and particularly the reality of hell. I mean, the, the Bible has warnings. The Bible is written to believers. 
So all the warnings are written to people who profess to believe. And so it's important that these warnings that are just as loving from Jesus are taken seriously. So with that, we don't want to presume anything. Listen, we're going to have a time of if people want to get some prayer afterwards, we want to have we want to make that available for people to come up to the front to to pray. Uh, prayer is not something to be embarrassed about, and it's not if you need if you want to pray, please do that. If you don't, you don't have to. But in all things, in all matters, take seriously these types of the reality of the afterlife. Like none of us have gone and come back and know like, okay, these are the sins. God said it's cool if you do these. I'm all right with that. We just don't know that. We don't know what that is, and no one's come back to tell us that. So as Mike said, take everything as serious as the grace allows you to. And don't just think like, well, you know, I'm forgiven. So, well, you don't know that. You don't know how, because God's going to, I mean, we are in, in, in the scriptures, but we don't know what God's going to say about the ways that we conducted ourselves. He knows who's genuinely trying to go after these things and who's not. And so... We want to have a time of prayer so like some of the core group leaders could come up front uh, and go on, on, on one side, um, on this side over, on the left side by the screen, and then by the drums, we're going to keep the middle clear. Chris and LaCrystal, if you can go over there. Vilma, if you can go over there by the screen. Um, let's, can we get Tammy over here by Warren? And if Karen is still here, can she go over there beside Tammy? These are just some folks that are willing to pray with anyone, and you can you can trust anything you share with these people. Um, having said that, I'm going to close this in prayer, and then where is Brandon in here? Brandon, can you jump on the keyboard? We're not doing an all solid rock right now. We'll be back next week. <laughs> just give us some of that good prayer music that you know you know what to do. Lord, we thank you for just the reality. Lord, we accept all your word completely, even the stuff that's uncomfortable. It's un you put that there for a reason. You wanted us to be aware of all the possibilities of eternity. And while we can have confidence that we're pursuing you and trusting you and trying to honor you in the way we do things, we don't want to presume. No one should be so confident when there's sin in our lives. We should in faith accept what you said about us but we don't always know the nuances. We don't know the nuances of addiction. We don't know the nuances of giving in a serious sin even after having professed to be a believer for some time. We don't know the nuances. We do know grace. We do know your forgiveness. We do know those things but Lord if we're being honest we don't even always feel forgiven. We don't even always know, like, it doesn't come with a feeling. You tell us that we're forgiven when we confess, but sometimes we still feel the same. So, Lord, may a message like this, or just the reality of it, of hell in particular, of, of the judgment day, may it sober us. May no one walk out of here unscathed. May we just be sober at the very least, reflecting on what was said here, that we will stand before you. Some of us do not take seriously giving an account to you. 
we hear these things, we agree, and then we move on as if, like, they're not applicable to us. No. Lord, some of us may need to just sit for a minute and process. And some of us do not. I don't presume to know, Lord. I know my own heart. So, Father, I pray that as you have provided men and women in this church who love this church, who will pray for and with anyone, who will weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, or who will just encourage. There may be some who need encouragement this morning. They may be doubting, and they may need to be told, no, I keep pressing in. And there may be some who are too confident that should say you shouldn't be as confident. Whatever that is and whoever they are, Lord, you know them. Bring them, bring them to you for your glory and our good. The reality of hell when talking about it is not the absence of grace, but in fact the presence of it. To help us to take seriously where it applies to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Don't forget your D groups this week and other, other decisions. Don't forget there is a meeting with in about 20, 25 minutes in the double classroom for those who signed up for that. So, But if you need prayer, please make your way to the front. Thank you. Love you guys. Love this church. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>